Thank you for asking. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the newest episode of the Theater Enthusiast Podcast. I'm actually in a different location today, so sadly, I do not have my hot priest mug or candle, but I do have a photo of the hot priest on my computer to bless the podcast, so he is still here, which is great. Our guest today, I'm very excited about having him because he is a fellow podcast host and an actor. Please welcome Ryan M. Perez. I have the, can you hear it? I have an applause app. Oh, wow. I, I can't, but I love that. I need yeah. to get that app. It hasn't worked the last. I'll just do it. Oh, it, amazing. Yeah. I think like nobody can hear my app anymore via Zoom. It's very upsetting. Well, it means you have a very powerful microphone, which is great. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you usually hear like the, ah, and then it cuts out. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. But now people just, maybe I should just stop using it and just applaud for real and like, yeah, there yeah. You go. That, that could totally work. You know, yeah. it's, it's authentic. Gives thank you something you. to respond to. This is so excited that you're here. It's yes, thank applause. you so much for having me. I'm so excited for you and in, in this endeavor that you're on. Thank you. I also just like love your uh your background of actors on your. Oh wall. yeah, yeah. They're all most of them smoking cigarettes. You is know that, that wasn't by de by design, but it okay. it just kind of happened that way. Maybe the, my subconscious that yeah. that says I don't even smoke, which is you know. Good. But it does look badass on cinema, and I will die by standing by that. <laughs> Listen, I ever since the movie Cinderella came out, I've always said I want Kenneth Branagh to direct my life and have Helena Bottom Carter narrated. And the fact that you have a photo of her behind you is fantastic to me. Oh, she's the best. Yeah, she's every you know, just name it. She's great in everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true. And 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 one of the greatest people I hear from consistently every guest that I've ever spoken to. She's just the best. Yeah. So Ryan, let's start from the very beginning. Where are you from? I'm from Richmond, Virginia. I've heard of it. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's been on the map the last few years for uh, fraught reasons, you know, because there were some Confederate statues. And that is where, sadly, the White House, the Confederacy still is, but, you know, not literally in a divided nation but mm -hmm. there was a we have a, a street called monument avenue and there was monument so there's the first monument is of arthur ash the the great tennis player who uh died of hiv and um after that it's all confederate soldiers so you have this ideologically opposed forces and uh you know growing up there anyone that was sane and uh yeah you can take this as a political was like these statues are dumb it's time to you know yeah get, like put them in a museum you know we're not saying burn them but like yeah obviously this 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 seems a little bit dated you know i mean these guys were traitors and uh that finally came to a head in 2020 during the pandemic and and they are down now yeah well also the uh the statue in front of the natural history museum is no longer there with oh, Native americans and i think roosevelt on a horse yeah yeah. You're talking about in New York, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Natural History yeah. Museum of, of in New York. Yeah. Because we had one in Virginia and there's another statue there too. And yeah, I, I went down there before all the statues got removed. And, and part of me, have you ever been to Berlin? No. So it, it, in the Berlin Wall, it's like they turn it into this like graffiti mural. Mm -hmm. It's very like intense, but beautiful. And that's what they did with the statues. And uh, I, I I thought it was kind of like I was like oh my god this almost 
maybe they should stay because like these these murals and how intense they are at the bottom you know it's a very confronting artistic piece but obviously you know capitalism this the street that it's on is a very wealthy street you know yeah. every every home being a minimum of a million and i just don't think the homeowners association was ever going to allow for that but it was it was a really interesting moment there every day there would be uh you know meditations and 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 just like conversations and yoga and you know i thought they kind of lost an opportunity to to maybe elongate that period of of past and present colliding i feel like i'm hearing a play or something about to be written in your mind about what it was like with this you know, I, I I wasn't there enough during that because there were fights. I mean, there was full on, mm-hmm. you know, attacks and things like that. I I don't want to make myself sound more present there than I was. I, I came for a week, you know, before everything was going to get demolished and just spent a lot of time, you know, because growing up there, I yeah. we all wanted it down. So it was it was it was just now they're gone and and good riddance. And um, yeah, hopefully I, I, I think Richmond is is ready to move on to the future. Yeah, that let's not all of America is. Anyway, politics aside. Yeah. So what got you interested in performing and film and theater and all of that stuff? Um, you know, that's a great question. And uh I I, I hate to like make this such a personal thing, but you know Well, Ryan, I, I, I'm interviewing you for this podcast. Yes, so it is personal, well, so it is about you. Of, so of course please answer. I, I guess what I'm going to say is kind of a metaphor in the sense that uh, I'm an atheist. I, I'm not religious, but yeah, I, most of my family is very religious. And, you know, when you speak to someone that can engage in a civil conversation, not so much about who's right or who's wrong, but about their experience with religion and this innate higher calling, you know, I never really understood that. But when I was a kid, there was something about performance and movies and theater that there was just this sensation in me that I was like, oh, this is what I'm made to do. Like, this is this is my calling, you know? And I don't mean that in such a pretentious, like, eyes on me way. And just like, this is what I'm meant to do with my life. Like, and I knew that at six or seven years old. And I was so excited and enthralled by it. And it's it's very much a blessing for anyone at any age to know what they want to do with their lives. But, you know, at such a young age to have a grasp of, of what it is. And, you know, when you express that to your parents at such a young age, they're like, Oh, tomorrow it's going to be drummer. The next day it's going to be astronaut. But, you know, consistently year after year, if you keep saying that they're like, okay, maybe they're into something and then getting into children's theater and then just, you know, loving cinema and being obsessed about it and, you know, back in the days of uh, before mini DV, when it was still cassette tapes, you know, making your own home movies and editing them on a VHS, you know, I think my parents really were impressed. Like, oh, this is really he, he really means this is what he wants to do. But obviously growing up in Richmond, Virginia, it's not Los Angeles or New York. So there's not a lot of, you know, or earlier we were speaking about London, you know, there's not a lot of theater troops or things like that. So it was really and and my father, you know, I really have to shout him out, did such an outstanding job of of finding different things for me to attend, to learn and and to get into it. And it wasn't easy. And, you know, and, and I think so much of this journey is finding your voice. And, you know, that that's 
that's that's a journey not a destination you know who knows if you ever get there but for a long time i think it uh it took me a long time to find my voice but was there a particular performance or a particular moment where you're like that was like your aha moment into your i guess come to god moment of wanting to be a performer um so i like i said i i always did do it but there was the aha moment where my parents were like okay with me going to college and doing it mm-hmm. i i know it sounds hard to believe i was 16 because i had just got in my car and i auditioned for willie loman and death of a salesman mm-hmm. and i got it obviously stretching a bit you know bit bit older of a part was, you know what was it a high school production it was yeah yeah but that's fine i um i'm sorry again for going intense here but uh ryan it, don't apologize yeah i know know. go for it well i think once people hear this story they'll understand why i'm kind of trigger warning it here if you will Mm -hmm. um i was on stage and back in the day of flip phones my phone was vibrating and and my drama teacher who i was quite close to lisa dyer break was like ryan we're in rehearsal please stop but then it had gotten to like about the 12th call and i was like obviously someone's really trying to get in touch with me. I I need to answer this. Mm -hmm. And so I had gotten a call from a friend of mine that was just really random. They had called me 12 times. So I wanted to make sure they were okay. And so I answered the call and I was in a band at the time called through the rear view. And my friend goes, Ryan, Ryan, are you there? What's going on? Like, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm in rehearsal. And the drummer of my band, his name was Oscar. They're like, Oscar's dead. I was like, what do you mean Oscar's dead? He was like, he was, he was driving to see this band called the Mars Volta in DC and he crashed and he died. And I was like, what? How do you know? He's like, the police got my number from his body, uh, his cell phone. His parents don't know. And I was like, his parents happened to literally live across the street from my high school. I told the teacher, she's like, go. And I went and uh, I had to tell his parents that their son was dead, which is a moment, maybe, maybe the only moment in my life where, you know, eternal sunshine style, I could maybe, I would maybe pay to delete that moment in a selfish way. Cause I just, the pain I had seen people in, in that moment is something that uh, I, I, I would never wish anyone to experience that and uh in kind of a very strasburg you know method sort of way i think that having happened really you know me feeling suicidal and sad brought this willie loman that you know from my own life experience was was very dark and very sad and I think every parent at a high school wasn't prepared to see that kind of death of a salesman in a high school. And my principal of that school happened to have go, gone to grad school for theater performance and wrote her thesis on Arthur Miller. And after night one, not only my parents, but she stopped me and she was just like, I've never seen a, a production of death of a salesman that good. I've seen it on Broadway and you were incredible. And I, I was like, I still was kind of just going through grief, but uh, yeah, that, that death and that, you know, peace at the same time, I think it really just kind of um, 
it all came together and it, it's crazy that it happened. Obviously I would, I would choose having him alive over, you know, succeeding in, in, in a play of, of a high school production. But uh, yeah, that was really the first moment. I think it was like, I realized how powerful the medium could be. Please tell me you did like a lighthearted comedy after that. I did not. I, uh, I, 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 uh, no, I, I wish I did. They did a, a musical after that. I can't sing, but, uh, you know, I, our band did tribute shows and, 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 yeah. you know, but, uh, yeah, you know, everything I do, I, I, I try to do for Oscar, you know, cause he, he, he didn't make it past 16. So yeah, I, I don't ever forget that. Yeah. I just, I say like lighthearted comedy and I immediately thought of watching the movie hunger did you ever see that movie? It's a Steve McQueen movie with uh, Michael Fassbender. It's about one of during like the the troubles in Ireland, and it was about like one of the Irish rebels. I can't remember his name. I think it was like Billy something, and he was in prison, and he went on a hunger strike. And it's based on a true story. And that movie like fucked me up. So I ended up having to watch the stupidest movie afterwards to like get out of that funk yeah i watched wow. revenge of the bridesmaids which was like an abc family movie because amazing I, was like, I need something so stupid and like so mindless after watching like such an intense thing that it makes yeah. total sense you know what i now that i kind of go back i think i watch a lot of smallville so uh yeah tom welling and michael rosenbaum thank you i, I smallville yeah. got me through it doesn't he end up flying in like the very last episode? I think that is the final shot. Like, yeah. And it's like him above earth. It was a bit frustrating because they like went on for 10 seasons and everyone's like, come on, yeah. when's he going to get to the flying? Yeah. But funny enough, you know, those showrunners, Miles Blar, mm -hmm. they're the ones who did Wednesday. So, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're still crushing yeah. the game. Yeah, there are people out there. I just remember like I had a big crush on somebody in high school who likes Smallville. So I watched some episodes to be like, this guy like likes Smallville. So I'm going to watch some episodes. And then, you know, Allison Mack and the sex cult. So there we go. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. What a crazy story for her. She was so talented, too. I hope, you know, I, I, I know she's in prison for a while, but I hope, you know, deprogramming works for her. You know, yeah. I don't know. I was kind of like, give me a, a mini series about a sex cult and I'm good. Like, you know how people like their. I'm uh... surprised they haven't done it yet. <laughs> They haven't you know, done what like Doc the, the Nevixium, you know, series yet. You no, know? they have. They had like. Oh, an, I didn't know. Okay. Yeah, I think like I think it was HBO had a Nexium series, like a docu series about it, and then one of the girls had their own show on Stars. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I was I was like deep into it. I was like, this is the most fucked up thing. Yeah. And I want to watch and I'm obsessed with knowing every single detail about what happened. And there were people who still followed this guy. Really? I thought yeah. he was arrested finally. Is no, he, he not? was. So like the, the series had ended up having like two seasons. Yeah. The second season was kind of about like about the trial and he still had some followers who like believed in him. And I think there's like four or five of them who were like, really trying to like disprove all the information and that like Keith Rainier is actually a good guy. And they're like outside the prison, like chanting for him and like flashing flashlights towards his window. Wow. Yeah. What a crazy it, guy. Yeah. Yeah.
And I was just watching that other one that came out on Hulu, like Stolen Youth about this guy and like these Sarah Lawrence college students. And- I just heard about that one. I had not heard of it, but it popped up somehow in an algorithm and I'm going to have to check that one out. Yeah. My algorithm on Instagram is like join a dating app. So <laughs> nice. I, yeah, I, That's amazing. I just, and even somebody said to me last night, you should date. I'm like, well, if you know any good looking single straight guys, let me know. Yeah. Enough about my non-existent love life. So where did you end up going to college and did you, and what made you decide to go there? So bizarrely enough, Mm -hmm. and I, you know, I, people will probably not believe this. I had never really, I heard NYU, but I didn't hear of Tish. I was, I had spent every summer in high school living in LA in the summer and attending UCLA summer programs. So I had like almost a year's worth of credits at UCLA and that was my dream school. And then I had started to kind of like during sophomore year, get into USC, it, like the, the idea of that being a school as well. So for me, it was only two schools. It was UCLA or USC. And then the fall of my senior year in high school, Someone had reached out to me, have you, have you ever considered applying to Tish? And I was like, Tish, what's Tish? And then they're like, NYU. I was like, I've heard of NYU, but what's this Tish thing? Mm-hmm. And so then I looked into it and I was like, I didn't have like a safety school or so to speak, not by any means saying NYU is a safety school. It's yeah. not. But uh, I was like, yeah, let me apply. So I got, in, you know, and I applied to all three and I got into all three. And, and uh, I remember coming to New York City. And I remember uh, I spoke to Rufus Sewell about this when he did the podcast. I saw his play Rock and Roll. Oh, my God, me too. I also saw it because um, Alice Eve was in the show and I really love her. Oh, yeah, she's uh, great. Yeah. So I actually like, yeah, I had any like stage door after the show. And I was like, I think you're great. And like Rufus Sewell was right there because they were dating at the time. And I said to him like, oh, you were great too. So yeah, great yeah, show. I love Alice Eve. Well, you know, it's Tom Stoppard. I didn't understand what was happening most of the time. Yeah. Um, but I will say like, I know, know what's going on in Arcadia because when I first saw the show, I was like, I don't understand any of this. Cut to me doing like five performances a week of merchandise there. I like, have you seen Le- Leopold shot yet? I have not seen it yet. Um, yeah. I hear it's amazing. I also have like no money for shows, but Next thing I have coming up is I'm seeing Parade and then I'm seeing Sweeney Todd. And then I have tickets to the Thanksgiving show and Camelot. So that's what I have coming up. Wow. Yeah. Definitely see Leopold. Leopold shots on today ticks now. You can get reasonable price because, but. um... Well, let's talk about reasonable price because back in the day, like. I'm a member of TDF and like there are tickets for $57, like, which is insane to me, you know, even like Broadway show lottery, it's so much more expensive now than it was like 10 years ago in my, yeah. you know, well, you know, what happened is, is, you know, yeah. they all have these COVID protocols. So mm-hmm. the margins, you know, for them to, to be in the green have gone up so much, Yeah, you know. I read a headline somewhere saying that theaters aren't really like saying how much money they're actually not. Well, part part of the COVID rule is that they don't have to disclose it anymore. Yeah. So that's true. Yeah. I remember I was talking to an actor um, recently on the podcast and I asked them about um, these cardboard cutouts that they had of the whole cast. And they were saying like, yeah, we were selling not as much as they would like. So we did an influencer event and that's where the cardboard cutouts came from. Wow. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, but for forty dollars on on today tick. So see Leopold okay. shot. Yeah. I'm going to try. I hear it's amazing. And I, I am Jewish. So like shows like that, I know would affect me. Like, did you see Indecent? I did not. No. Oh my God. I, that was, that was a brilliant show. I was really happy that the director won for direction of a play because she wasn't like even a prediction that she was going to win. And she did. And it was so well-deserved because that show was so beautiful. And the guy who played the, um, the narrator for the show, I was shocked he wasn't even nominated for anything. Wow. Uh, but I also have a special place in my heart for Paula Vogel because of um, how I learned to drive. Because when I was in college, I directed that show. So, oh, that's amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I saw that show, yeah. Tom Stopper and, versus Sewell. Yeah. Back to that. Yeah. And then uh, I, I had signed to UCLA, but then there was kind of a moment. You know, I think like they give you till May 1st is the deadline. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the night before, I just kind of classically was like, maybe I'm playing it too safe. I've spent so much time in L.A. I don't know New York. I really want to be a theater actor. You know, L.A. is such a, at that time, it was still the, you know, the binary of theater versus film. And I was like, let me risk it all. And I decided to go to NYU. Yeah. Do you remember what the audition process was like for NYU? Everything was uh, classic, contemporary, one in one, and then a back pocket piece. Yeah. Do you remember what you auditioned with? I did The Boys Next Door. I think I did Euripides. And then I I don't know what my back pocket piece was, though. It's okay. I'm yeah. sure it wasn't yeah. long ago, but it was long ago. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's my birthday tomorrow. So that would be. Happy uh, birthday. That'd be 15 years have, ago. I was going to say, you don't have to age yourself. That's all good. I'm turning 33. Oh, sorry. I threw up because I'm older. Um, Not by a month. Um, Anyway, so what was it like at NYU? What was the whole experience like for you? Um, I hated it. It was awful. In fact, it was, it was miserable. The first friend I made, funny enough, was an actress named Rachel Brosnahan. And we had to take a singing class together and we just kind of were not in the good singing group to say the least. And we became buddies because of it and still great friends. But uh, I just thought the training was really inconsistent. Everyone there kind of uh, contradicted one another at Strasbourg. NYU had a really tense relationship with the studio and it was really hard to meet people because you spent so much time in your conservatory that, you know, you, you just didn't hang out with the people in your, your gen eds class. And um, so after two years of finishing my primary studio, I dropped out and became a roadie for rock bands. And I did that for three years. And then at that point I had been dropped out for so long, I had to reapply to NYU and I got back in and finished. And then I graduated in 2014. What was your experience like working as a roadie? And did uh, you watch that Cameron Crowe show, Roadies? Yes, actually, I did because I, I know Carla Gugino, and and uh, oh, Carla Gugino. Yeah, she's the best, sweetest human ever. Yeah, and uh, one of the OG True Beverly Hills girls. Well, lied about her age to be in that movie. Sorry. I did not know that, but uh, okay. I think all us roadies were tremendously shocked at someone who got it so right and almost famous could get it so wrong in roadies. And uh, yeah, that, that show, you know, Cameron, I love you, buddy. But uh, yeah, that show was awful. So bad. 
Well, I went, I loved it, but I also yeah. Brody. So I just no, said, it's nothing like, like oh, that. Finally, like a good Cameron. It, it it made you know like... Brody lifestyle look like a you know a network broad comedy. It was just like that's not how it is, you know. Well, you know, it's television, but I mean, what what out there is really authentic to what something really is nowadays? I mean, I'm sure there's stuff out there, but I feel like if you want to go mainstream, it's so different. Well, I don't know. You know, I mean, I know there's a lot of conflicting thoughts on the show and its relevancy today's turn, but I thought Entourage did a really, you know, I mean, I know it was escapism, but at that time it really did capture what it was like in Hollywood, you know, for better and for worse. Mm Mm-hmm. Carla Gugino was in that too. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Just bringing it back to Carla Gugino. Yeah, she's like the, the best. Whole podcast. Yeah. yeah. No, she's great. I saw Desire Under the Elms twice and she was in that. And yeah. Yeah, she's the best. Yeah. We tried to get her for a virtual reading I was directing, but unfortunately she couldn't do it, but we did try. She's got a production company and- yeah. Uh, she's crushing it right now and i think you know she's got so many amazing things she's yeah i i i, I miss her energy she's just what if you can imagine how you think she is it's a million times better you know and she's yeah. just one of, she's so talented it's great yeah. to see great people like her succeed in this business i agree i mean i don't know many but the ones that i do know i'm very I have a friend who like made their Broadway debut in Almost Famous and if anybody deserved to have something good happen to them in that way, it was this person. So I'm happy for them. That's amazing. Yeah. Very kind of you to say. No, it's true. I mean, listen, I, if those who have listened to the podcast know I had like a very rough senior year of college and all that stuff. And I like to think I'm a nice person and, you know, if somebody's nice and they're talented and they deserve it, it's always, you always want good things to happen for that person, you know? And if they're, and they work their ass off and you just want good things to happen for them. Totally. They deserve it. And Anyway, I'm just going to keep repeating myself. So when you graduated, so you got back to NYU, did you have the same experience? I mean, you have- No. So my first two years were really dark because as I mentioned before, my best friend had died. Then my other best friend who had just beaten cancer died two weeks into NYU. So it was just a really, those were like, you know, Greek Shakespearean dark two years. I came back- and let's just say, you know, on on being on tour, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll thing, you know, they're all they're all pretty true cliches. And uh, I developed some really bad habits, and I never had fun at NYU. So I came back, but I got, you know, trapped in the party cycle, and I didn't seize the day like I really, really wish I did. I mean, maybe you know, there was part of me that needed it because i never had that my freshman or or sophomore years but let's just say you know when i came back i i more than made up for lost time but i didn't focus in the way that i i wished i would have yeah so when you graduated nyu what what happened next did you do a showcase did you get any representation from a showcase what happened so when i had graduated I was in the darkest place in my life then. I was living with someone like a long time ago, someone I dated. We were together for three years. It ended horribly. I 
the at this point the the I am comfortable saying that the cycles had turned into full blown addiction. You know, I was I was coming to class drunk and was doing a lot of cocaine and uh I was just in a really bad place. And uh when I graduated, you know, my dad was really concerned and a friend of mine had booked a movie in Africa and I was just so tired of New York and I was in such a bad cycle. My best friend Denzel Whitaker booked a movie in Cape Town and he invited me to go with him. And I did. And then after, you know, we were in Cape Town for a month doing that entourage style, I went to Europe and then I stayed in Europe for three months. And uh, so honestly, I, I didn't get sober until December 3rd, 2016. So really I kind of look, even though in March of 2015, I started getting to acting. I didn't really get focused till like, I kind of count the beginning of my serious acting time, January, 2017, you know, cause I'd only gotten sober a few days before new year's and uh, yeah. So it's been six years of, of lucid pursuing. Yeah. That's great. Well, during that time in your life compared to now, can you definitely, I mean, obviously you see a difference with your performance, but was there anything in college where people were saying something to you in regards to this? Well, I, th- I think there was, you know, because Alec Baldwin taught a class, a master class where he chose 14 people. And I was one of the ones that got in mm-hmm. and everyone was like, Ryan, you're talented. Like, yo, ch- like that's cool. You like to have fun, but pick your battles. So like focus, mm-hmm. focus. And I thought I was just like, I thought I was so cool because I had never had that experience before, you know, having fun in college and all of a sudden like enjoying everyone at my, I was at the studio called Stone Street and having a blast. And, you know, I was like, yeah, this is the time we go to the bar. And and I, I, to be really honest with you, I wasn't really showing up to the showcases at Stone Street. And I just kind of was was literally drunk you know most of the time and uh on on substances and on life and uh yeah you know i i that cost me a lot obviously you know because i i i i there were opportunities that came my way and i wasn't ready for them and i really to this day have a hard time beating myself up for that but uh you know i guess i what happened needed to happen because it got me to where I am now. And um, I think, you know, it's just, a you know, always, you can't change the clock, but you always wish you could do things differently. You know, the classic guy, if I'd known what I know now, then, you know, I would have done it this way and that way. But I think uh, as, as tough as things got and as dark as they got, everything that happened needed to happen because it wouldn't be the actor, mm-hmm. moreover, the human I am today without all those things happening. Yeah. Trying to like phrase this question and how do you think all of that has made you into the actor that you are? Like what, how do you perceive yourself like with your acting? Does that make sense? Well, I think one of the things that, you know, I, at one point that I never hear, you know, a conservatory teacher speak about is like, for me, you know, knowing a lot of actors and seeing a lot of auditions and, you know, watching a lot of people become really famous and a lot of people not like, you know, one of the things that 
I think makes consistently for the great actors are people that live full rounded lives. And mm-hmm. I mean that in, in like outside of the business, you know, yeah. it's, it's not the end all be all of their lives. They, they live interesting and unique lives that aren't just, you know, based upon who's my agent, what auditions am I getting? Like they have life experience. You can, you can yeah. look them in the eyes and you can be like, Oh, wow. This person's really lived, you know? And, yeah. and that's not saying, you know, go be like me, be drunk and travel the world and make a fool out of yourself. But you need to have other things mm-hmm. to give you experience because that's what makes for interesting characters. You know, if, yeah. if, 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 if this acting thing and being in classes and that's the basic main staple of your diet, I promise you're, there's not going to be a lot of depth to you and and casting directors will see that and yeah and you need to have depth and i think you you know take take jobs that you wouldn't normally take work do things that you wouldn't normally do because those are what will provide you with the experience that you'll pull from you know like that's that's the stuff I learned the most from being a roadie and talking to people all around the world. Obviously that was a very luxurious opportunity. I'm, I'm self-aware of that, but like, you know, I, I took janitor jobs, you know, like after graduating college and that was not an easy thing of mine to, you know, Oh my God, I spent all this money in tuition. Why am I literally cleaning shit? But, you know, working with those guys and, and all my Hispanic brethren, I say that as a fellow Hispanic man, you know, that gave me so much life experience, you know, talking, you know, people that are are dying to come to this country to work a job like that with a smile on their face. You know, it, it really teaches you about privilege and, you know, just a, about a work ethic. And, and that's something that I think a lot of people miss out on, you know, obviously I'm not saying everyone needs to be a janitor, but, you know, surround yourself with people that aren't, just in the business. You you need that. Yeah. So you started, you say January 1st, 2017. Well, that's kind of when I say I stood, you know, I, at that point I was almost a month sober and that's kind of like when I really. I was like your rebirth into acting, I guess mm. you could say, right? Yeah. When I was, when I was showing up for auditions without a cocktail in me. Yes. That, that Perfect. would be that. Yeah. So how did you go about getting auditions and all that stuff? It was impossible. I mean, it was literally, you know, people asking me for advice now, you know, for it was years of going to one-on-one and going to casting director workshops and doing, you know, the agent and manager panels and sometimes, you know, getting great feedback and walking out of there on cloud nine thinking I'm signed, I'm signed and falling up the next day and just not even getting a, a response Mm-hmm. And it was years of doing that. It was years of just going and, and and doing these casting director workshops and crushing that scene for X who's casting Y show that I'm perfect fit for and never getting called in and and being really sad and frustrated with just how impossible it was. And then finally just kind of not being above anything and and going on backstage and and going to NYU and you know, anytime someone gave me an opportunity to act and even in the most luxurious setting, like, yeah. Hey, we're doing a class We're you know, and we're, I'm directing the actor and we need actors, mm-hmm. no money, but you just get, got years of doing that. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, different people saying, well, you do my film, I have no money, but doing that. And like, yeah. that was 
I did that. I, I called it the years of yes, where like anytime someone had an acting chance for me, I was like, yeah, I'll do it. doesn't yeah. matter, you know. And well, did you also think of it as a way of like, even though I'm not getting paid, I still get to do what I love to do? You know, I wish I did have that thought. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe but I did to it. Do you feel that way now that you look back on it? Well, 100%. I mean, I, I, I see that now as like, that is the work of being an actor. I think people think like, you yeah. know, oh, you you get an audition for Wednesday and then you do the job and that's acting work. No, 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 no. The hustling, the grinding, the showcases, yeah. the, I mean, that is the hardest working you uh, ever be as an actor. That is the work of being an actor. Everything I mean, else is sorry, a vacation. Yeah. Well, no, I agree with you because, you know, I, I haven't performed since college. Um, and looking back on it now, I think I'd be a much better director anyway. Um, but you know, with my experience and I have a very big entertainment knowledge base and I, you know, I watch a lot of like interviews with people and, you know, not really listen to podcasts, but also in my experience of interviewing people, like, and one of the main things about this podcast is who ever is listening to get different perspectives of the industry, whether it be TV, film, mostly theater, because hence theater enthusiast podcast, um, is just to get different people's perspective of what it is. And people need to understand that, like, just because, you know, like, I'm an actor, I want to perform, there's so much work that goes into it. And it's a business. And it's a grind. And, you know, you can go on 100 auditions and just book one thing. Yeah. And that's something like people even in college, like, you know, when you're in college, you think like, oh, as soon as I graduate, I'm going to be like winning a Tony. That might not necessarily, I mean, it could be the case, but it's not necessarily the case. Like, you know, there's a lot of wonderful performers and actors out there who are just happy to be making a living and get totally. the opportunity to just like perform and do something. You know, I was talking to somebody and they're like, oh yeah, I have to like do this thing. You know, I have to like pretend I'm this. I was like, but you know what? That's an opportunity for you to, to act yeah, and do something like, even though you're kind of looking down on it, guess what? You're acting. Yeah. You know, and that's what people like, hopefully who are listening, understand that. No. And, and that's exactly it, you know, cause that is what you need to be doing, you know, and, and, and you need to realize and let up on yourself that like, I understand that people think they need a credit to say they're an actor, but mm -hmm. you're an actor the minute that you're out there grinding, you're mm -hmm. trying to do the thing that is acting like that is the grind that is it you know yeah. obviously every you know what's the saying new level new devil you know what i mean anytime you go up there's a new thing and i promise you if you think you know going and being around celebrities and on a set and and hanging out with this person is going to be the thing that fills you up when you get there you're going to be like i don't feel how they I thought I would feel this, all these things that I thought would fill me up don't. So you really need to be a full rounded person mm -hmm. to, to the happiness has to come from other things because yeah. if it's only from how I'm doing in my acting career or whatever creative pursuit you're in, you're not going to make it because it is a, a great producer friend of mine, Andy Horowitz, who works with all a list. He produced suicide squad, American hustle put this the best way for me acting's lives even for a-listers it's mostly low lows followed by occasional really high highs 
And those high highs, they're fleeting. That movie's going to end production. That show's going to end, you know? You really got to learn to just be okay and take care of your mental health because being in those lows so often, it can drive you crazy. There's an analogy I love that I think you're going to love too. Um, I, I sometimes I'm sure like you do end up going on like a YouTube, like not YouTube spiral, but like a cycle of YouTubeness. Um, and there was this interview with Neil Patrick Harris and he was saying, I think he like just got Doogie Hauser or something. And he said, somebody took me out and they were talking about how like your acting career is going to be like surfing. Yeah. You know, you're sitting in waves. Yeah. Trying to catch waves. Sometimes you catch them. And you, then you have to like, and then the wave is done and then you're sitting, waiting again, paddling. Sometimes you get the wave, sometimes you don't. So clearly you've heard of that analogy. Yeah. There we are. There was a guest I told you to write down before we started recording this episode. His name is David Costable. And he said it on my, and this isn't a plug for my podcast, but listen to his episode. We're going to talk about it. Don't worry. Your podcast plug will happen. No, no, no. It's it's a plug for David Costable. Mm-hmm. where he said, and this is a tough thing to hear, in this business, there is no staircase. There's no elevator. It doesn't exist. There's no, there's no climb. There's it. That's all. It's, it's, it's all bullshit. Like you if going off the Neil Patrick Harris thing. It is catching waves. Yeah. You sit out there, you're paddling. You hope you catch one. If you do, could bring you three inches or could bring you all the way to the shore you don't know but you can't look at the other surfers you can't compare you just got to be focused because if you do you know if like literally you're in the ocean and you're what you're not going to be catching any waves you know you part of catching a wave mandates swimming so that by the time that the wave catches the action catches the action and you ride it and so you know it's really important that you know that don't worry about climbing this mountain and and all of that. You got to worry about your mental health and being proud of yourself in the work that you're doing. And, 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 and know that you're doing great work to anyone listening right now. If you're, if you're showing up to auditions and even though you're not getting it, like you're doing it, that's acting, man. That's, that's the work. Be proud of that. That's so cool. Like that's, that is the work right there. You are an actor. Yeah, I I also agree with you about that. Don't compare yourself because even before when we started, when I was saying how I was like, you know, in my research with like listening to your podcast, I was like, oh, maybe I should do my podcast this way. And then I had to stop myself and be like, I am my own person. Yeah. I have my own interview style. And there we are. Because yeah. like, if you end up comparing yourself to other people, then you just get into like a spiral of like, am I not good enough? And and I know I'm fabulous, so I don't have to do that at all. So there exactly. we go. Exactly. Yeah. And, and 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 you know, when I started getting sober in the rooms, you know, one of the things that they said to me when you start obsessing about comparing, or I should have done this, or I should be doing that, is to start going like this on your shoulder. And I'm not doing a Matthew McConaughey here. But it's like for those not those listening, he's tapping himself on the shoulder. Don't and, worry. And it's tapping yourself on your shoulder to say and remind yourself, I'm here mm-hmm. right now in this moment. I'm not yeah. there. I'm not there. I'm not them. And mm-hmm. to remind yourself that this moment is your moment. And that is what you choose to do. 
don't worry about anyone else or any other thing. All that matters is how what you do with the time that you have given to you. Yeah. So since auditioning and anything like that, you have done some TV and film credits, which is very exciting. Yeah. SVU, you're going to be on FBI on your birthday. I did this really big HBO show that was a dream, which hopefully one day, you know, we'll get a chance to talk about when that comes out. And then I did a movie with Gina Gershon, who mm-hmm. I love, who's also yeah. another great, great speaking too. of Carla, the, the Ginas of the, yeah, of the, the Hollywood. Gina. Yeah, she was yeah. on Broadway and Bye Bye Birdie, which I did not see, but she was in it. Yeah, I love Gina. So it's been a really interesting 12 months, you know, because... It, 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 you know, for so long, you know, because the world shut down. Yeah. And I started my podcast mm-hmm. in 2019, you know, it was so many years of talking about acting. And even though I was auditioning to like finally then being on sets and getting to act, it was, it, yeah. you know, I, I really do count my lucky stars, you know, yeah. because it it took so long to get there. And it took overcoming addictions and it's that's an over ongoing battle it's not done but uh mm-hmm. you know i i i'm of course not where i want to be you know yet but it's, i'm yeah. trying my best to get there and well, again, uh, listen it's i think andre de shields in his tony speech said the top of one mountain is the bottom of another yeah so totally. and also again there's no stairs everything is a wave you know and you're working and you're doing your thing like I always said to myself, like, you know, when you're younger, like, I want to be like this well-known performer and like have totally. But like for me now, I always say, like, if I were ever to like go back into that field, I would just be happy to be a working actor. Do you know Steve Vincent? The name sounds very familiar. So him and Sig Day Miguel, they're two of my favorite casting directors. And Steve Vincent has this wonderful anecdote. And I hope you don't mind if I share it. I'll make it brief. No, please. That's what this podcast is. And he teaches a class at one-on-one and you should take it, but look at it as an acting class because he's a great teacher. So is Sig. They're the best. And Steve said, you know, if your goal is to be on a yacht with Leo hanging out, you know, like go be in venture capital. You know, it's more likely to happen there. Yeah. But if you want to be an actor and you want to go through this and you want to find value in the work that you do, it's never going to be that. But if you stay in this business long enough and you're true to yourself and you're true to, you know, the craft and, and being open and helping others, what's going to happen is one day, 10, 15 years from now, you're going to get a phone call and you're going to get this part in this movie that you never thought would come your way. And they're going to fly you business class and you're going to have a day off and you're going to be in Marina Del Rey and someone's going to invite you on a boat and Sebastian Stan's going to be there. And then you're just going to laugh to yourself because like, that's how this business works. Yeah. Let it surprise you. Yeah. Because it will. Yeah. Just how is it for you being on sets is it exciting do you also believe in the theory that having theater training helps working on film and tv sets um i'll tell you uh it's it's interesting depending upon you know obviously i i've been on a lot of procedural sets and then i've been on like you know very expensive drama sets and i've been on independent film and the the uh the HBO piece I did is a very theater driven 
Uh, so that really, that was the first time I felt like the training really helped me because, yeah. you know, one of the scenes that we shot, we shot for 17 hours, wow. you know, and it would, it's a very intense scene. And so then, you know, even speaking to to one of the actors, I want to say his name, but I don't think I can because it would give it away. But he did do the podcast. Um, his name is Bob. Yeah. And, um, you know, all the training then was used. But mm-hmm. I, I think on, on the more procedural stuff, mm-hmm. you know, especially like doing co-star work. Yeah. You're not there to make a meal out of it. You're there to say you, mm-hmm. co-stars give exposition. They mm-hmm. move the story along. They get yeah. in, they get out. And and know that, you know, don't try to make a meal out of it because like I think co-star auditions are the hardest auditions there are. You know what I mean? Like you got, excuse me, ma'am. Uh, do you know where the dry clay, like saying that is like, boy, there's a million different ways you could say it. Like, what do they mean? What's the, like, don't overthink it. Those mm-hmm. are the hardest auditions. Those auditions are traps. And so I think any theater actor can really start to overthink the simple things in the co-star stuff. When you get to the meteor stuff, then you can use your training, but don't I say, over. I meant it more in like, you're waiting around. Oh, um, yeah. Well, because Emma Thompson, she said, I, again, with like, you know, the clips and things that appear on your Instagram, she was saying that theater training is so helpful because, you know, when you're just like waiting around to go on to something, you know, with your theater training, you know how to wait before yeah. you get into the character. I think, you know, if I'm being really, really honest about like waiting around and say it's, it's the most luxurious, like you're in a trailer, you got an iPhone, you know what I mean? Like you're getting paid very handsomely. There's crafty, you got a meal, you know, it's, that's by far from the hardest thing you're going to, I mean, that it, in fact, those moments, what I encourage all of you to do in those moments that you find yourself in a trailer on a set is to close your eyes and meditate. And think back to all the different yous out there that dreamed of that moment. Because this is what I do when I'm on set. Yeah. How hard you fought, all the things that awful and good that have happened in your life, and that you're finally there. And more importantly, what I ask each and every one of you is to pay it forward. And I'm not saying, like, you know, when you're on set, plug your actor friend. Obviously, don't do that. But I'm saying this business only exists if we help each other yeah. like it it, it, it I, there are certain movie stars that just kind of bring this like they're you know this all encompassing god and know what like that is not a way to do it this business i promise you if you're a good person and you are good to others that will serve you more well than mm-hmm. if you're the most you know daniel day lewis level talented but you know you're weird like being a good person is what those people want on sets. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think, uh, you know, don't be an asshole. Yeah. And you'd be surprised how hard that no can be for some people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I also think like there. OK, there's this theater actor who I used to be a very big fan of and they were going into a show and I met them at an after party of said show and i went up to them sorry there's the toilet I, was making noise. i can't hear it even so don't perfect even, yeah the refrigerator behind me was making noise not the toilet welcome to where i am um and i went up to them because they were in one of my favorite shows of all time and i said you know this show is my favorite boba like something you don't get over and they were just so nasty to me 
in regards to that. I was like, sir, you're in this show. Calm down. And even like when we were doing these, um, crap, what are they called? These readings virtually during the pandemic, you know, I always said like, I don't want to work with this person because they were a complete asshole to me. Even if like, they could say no, if we send out the offer, but I don't even want to like send them an offer for this part because they were such a douche nozzle. Never work with them again. And I want to hear who it was. Oh, remind me after I'll tell you, I did mention this on another podcast and the actor was like, you need to tell me who it is. And then I told them he's, or they were like, oh no, that person's a douche. <laughs> so, yeah. And yeah. believe me, that person, it's going to come bite them in the ass, you know, because like, especially now in the world we live in, there's just not time for that anymore. You know what I mean? Like it, it, some of the best actors I know, like Killian Murphy and, and they're total gentlemen. They do their thing. Like Is that why he's like literally behind you smoking a cig. Well, I love, I love Peaky Blinders. You yeah. know, that's, that is on my Netflix. Yeah. I feel like it's a show so up my alley, but I just haven't like sat down to watch it yet. And I've heard like such great things about it. It's, so it's, it's on my Netflix queue. It'll happen. It's, the first two seasons of that show are some of the finest writing I've ever seen. Yeah. Everything else after that, don't get me wrong. It's great. But those first two seasons really savor yeah. those. Yeah, I don't. I just I'm really looking forward to Daisy Jones and the Six. I'm just yeah, yeah. I I, I remember when they were making that, you know. And I uh, just finished the book the other day, and I just anxiously. If you want to talk about like rock and roll in the seventies, and well, speaking back up to Cameron Cry, I, I'm you know, and how roadies didn't get it right. I'm really excited to see this one because everything I hear, this one gets it right. Yeah, I just, well, I mean, it's also different than roadies because it's more about this rock band in the 70s. Right. But I mean, that was almost famous and Cameron Crowe did that, you know. And, yeah, that's and, true. And so that's one of my favorite movies. So if you didn't like it, then we can't talk. No, about I love it. almost, know. that's that's okay. what I meant. Almost yeah. Famous is a perfect movie. He yeah. got road life right on that, you know, yeah. like it, that, that's it. Still yeah. to this day, that's, that is it. I mean, maybe not as much you know, blatant drug use and, and, and misogyny, but you know, did you see the musical? I didn't, I don't want to lie. You know, I know you you and I, no, I I don't want to lie in the sense that like, I know you and I spoke at the beginning that I love spring awakening, but I, I, I'm not a musical guy. That was the only musical in my life that came and grabbed me in a divine way. And I connected with that in a way I've, I've just never connected with the musical sense. Listen, I used to do, uh, I was about to say market shows. I used to work as a concierge in hotels before the pandemic. And I would, I was like their go-to theater ticket seller. Oh, and wow. kind of people come up to me and they're like, yeah, I'm not a big musical person. I'm like, that's fine because there's something for everybody. Go see totally. Jersey Boys. Because Jersey Boys is not like your typical musical where they're going to be like, I have a feeling, so I'm going to sing. Right. And that's exactly yeah. what I make fun of in musicals. So thank you for understanding. You yeah, know. listen, yeah. I I also like don't judge anybody about their musical theater taste anymore. Um, you know, in college, people judge everybody, but oh god, yeah, yeah. Like when I would there were shows that I'm not fans of that people love, and there are shows that I love that people don't like, and they're like, Well, I didn't like that. I'm like, okay, you didn't like it. Yeah, and if I tell people there's something I didn't like, they get so offended. It's like calm down. So yeah. Yeah, it's just crazy. So how did the wanting to do your podcast come about? And your name of the podcast is? An Actor Despairs. There you go. I was pointing to him so he can say the name. Um, I I knew the name of it, but I thought it would be great if you said it. 
here's a great story for you, for all you people out there that think you have ideas in your head, but that they'll never work. I had that idea for that podcast since I was 21 and I did not start it till I was 29. Mm -hmm. And I always knew so clearly what it was. I just didn't think anyone would care. You know, the, the idea of starting something and, just not knowing and sucking at like I just was like ah you know there's too many I I was making every excuse in the world but you know I am an actor I love actors like you said earlier a lot of us this is just the goals to like work and do good work and make a living and 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 fuck all the celebrity bullshit you know what I mean like it's about the work and for me there was always so many actors like Killian being one of them, you know, that do incredible work, but I don't think really ever get the praise or people, you know, they're, you know, and, and I know Killian doesn't really like doing talk shows and that's okay. But like, you know, there are a lot of people that just don't get the chance to do the Fallon or things like that. And people aren't as interested. And, you know, I, I have a weird, you know, the character actor thing. I find that to be a weird it can be belittling at times when people say that, you know, oh, you're a character actor. You know, what is it? Everyone's playing a character. But Listen, the reason I was typecast, I only, I always go back to college because I didn't pursue it after because I just, as soon as I graduated, I just started working to make money. But I was typecast in college, especially by this one professor. And there's a quote. Remember what, like, Facebook, you can put quotes up? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a quote I have up there from Laura Linney, where it was, no actor is ever one thing because no person is ever one thing. I think like, I'm paraphrasing the quote, but that's what that is. Yeah. I love Laura Linney. She's about to do a play. Um, I'm aware. I I call her Queen Linney. Um, both times I met her at a stage door, I cried. Um, first time I met her, I started crying and she touched my elbows. Yeah. And the second time I met her, she did My Name is Lucy Barton. And it was literally just me and an autograph seeker at the stage door. And she was so lovely. And I was crying a little bit and I got a photo with her and I have a droopy eyelid. So when I'm just very tired or I guess emotional, my eyelid just looks super great. So there's a photo of me where I look like my eye is half closed. (laughs) But she's just like, and I will be seeing that show I saw her in Little Foxes twice because I saw her and Cynthia Nixon play the two roles. Yeah. And even my friend was like, how did she not win the Tony for the show? Yeah. No, she's just like, and I worked with somebody on a reading and they're like, oh, I'm good friends with her. I was like, stop it. And uh, during the pandemic, she did this thing where if you donate, she'll send you a postcard. Wow. She has. And I did that and I got a postcard. I mean, who knows if it's really her, but I have a Laura Linney postcard from Budapest sitting in my apartment. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I just, sorry, I'm conveying. I love her. I think my love for her started when I saw her on Inside the Actor's Studio. I was there for that taping for her. Oh, wow. That's so cool. She's the best. I've been, love her work. Yes. I, I was like, ask, maybe I've been to their actor's studio. I've been to a lot of them. Amazing. That's so cool yeah um but yeah so basically yeah it was it was just like so i started doing it and i started with friends Mm -hmm. then friends of friends and then i started you know maybe emailing some people and it just kind of really snowballed into this crazy thing and yeah now here i am 220 episodes later 
Yeah. What would you say your um, mission statement is of your podcast and what do you hope people get out of it? Uh, I have one written out, but I would say it's really to, to have a conversation and celebrate people's individual journey and hear how they did it. More importantly, like, you know, what, what, what lessons that they've learned in their career that could or could not be applicable to others, you know? And it's really just about hearing, you know, it's, it's, it's as much by, you know, biographical as it is, uh, you know, an acting lesson, you know, there are a lot more people that do process ones. Mine is more just like, you know, tell me about the experience about each thing, you know, and, and how that happened. And so it's really just hearing about what worked for them and, and maybe it'll work for you. Yeah. Do you, I mean, you don't have to name names, but do you have like, so Seth Meyers loves Rihanna. I'm a huge Seth Meyers fan. And he's always said like his dream guest is like Rihanna, but you know, now he does day drinking with her, but like before that, who would be like your Rihanna? Well, you know, it's funny when I started the podcast before I started it, when I was like 21, Mm -hmm. I came up with a list of like a hundred actors that I thought were some of the best working actors in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I've gotten like 70 of them. So I want to say I feel really spoiled. Obviously, I could always go. There's more, you know, Killian being one of them. But I've been very fortunate that a lot of people on that list have been able to talk to. So I I can I can say that I I feel spoiled in the sense that I've gotten yeah. to do to do it. Yeah. A lot of people on the show, you know, I don't want to say who they are because i don't want it to people no of course i'm not yeah yeah but um from podcast host to podcast host do you ever get nervous before you do a podcast and do you always just say to yourself like i don't remember how to interview people like i don't remember what i'm doing you know at first in like when it um there was a period like when it, there was a moment where I would email someone that was on my favorite television show. And then Monday I would have them in person right before the pandemic. And that was just like, and I would go meet them at the elevator. And that was like, you know, it was just kind of wild to go like from this person Friday night's episode of whatever show was amazing. And then Monday I had them in person. And I always called that elevator moment, you know, where it would just yeah. be like, I had to meet them and bring them in. And that was magical. I missed the in-person thing, you know, cause it's, you know, like auditioning now, everything's just kind of moved online. But um, no, I don't anymore. I don't get nervous. I uh, I don't mean that in a cocky way. I just like, you know, I I I, I love talking to people, whether yeah. actors or not. And and I think as humans, we like to have conversations with humans. You know, that's what yeah. you know. I think if anything, the pandemic taught us is how much we need each other. You know, we're not being alone is not good for any of us. Yeah. But too much alone. Let me say it that way. Yeah. I live by myself. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> but you live in New York by yourself. You that's, know, it's that's it's, true. Yeah. yeah. And I do have friends and I speak to my mother every day. And if I don't, if she doesn't hear from me, she calls me or texts me, like, where are you? Yeah. Yeah. What's going on? It's like I'm literally in my apartment watching the office. So. Totally. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So where do you kind of hope like what do you have any like dream roles or where do you kind of like see the trajectory of your career going and your podcast going? Um, 
you know, it's a tough thing because I do everything myself on the podcast mm -hmm. and it's really tough when you're an actor mm -hmm. and then you start working, you know, to, to balance both. And I haven't been, you know, the past year I've not done a lot because I've been working. And well, I will say for me also, like I stupidly decided to do seasons instead of episodes. So yeah. like if I could change anything, it would just be like going by episode and not being like season five, episode right. two. Cause, but there would be periods of times where I wouldn't like even be doing my podcast. Same. It's because I'm busy with life and work. And, and that's okay. You know? I, <laughs> yeah. But I, I also I, don't have people reaching out to me being like, when is your next episode? Well, and that that's what was tough for me is people were doing that. And, you know, obviously the goal for me was always acting. And at one point, yeah. you know, there was money offered for it to become this thing. And my father and probably the most sage advice he'd ever given me, he was like, you know, son, you want to be an actor. And I yeah. was like, yeah, I never wanted to be a, a host. He's mm -hmm. like, so if, if they call tomorrow and, and Blue Bloods gives you, you know, you know, you're taking that call. And I'm like, yeah, of course. So I never took the money to make it yeah. as big as it could have been. Because when I get that call, even for an audition, I'm, I'm, I'm going, you know. Mm -hmm. And now as I started to work, you know, I'm not at, constantly working in the way I'd like to, but I think what I'd like the podcast and, and, and Marin does a good job of this is, you know, I, I, I'm doing an episode next week with someone that I worked with and I kind of like that approach of like, you know, finally having the dynamic be that we did something together and then talking about it. And I think that's exciting. And I still would love doing it to, with people that I don't know when I can, but mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's very easy to get sucked into this being, you know, the everything of your life but if you're trying to be an actor yeah that should be first and yeah. that's my advice you know for, for directing you know and mm -hmm. and your audience will understand if they get what your mission statement is about your podcast because yeah. you know and and so yeah i and also i'm 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 writing more now you know and it's important that i use that time yeah. to be writing because it's really hard as you know when you're booking editing directing researching all by yourself there's only so much one human can do on their own yeah what what type of stuff are you writing are you doing plays film tv a little bit of this a little bit of I, other I have an idea for a play that i will do as a movie one day and then i'm I putting it out there i'm very good at casting and i direct so oh thank you I'll you're keep welcome that please and, do um so I'm i have curious about it i'm throwing it out there yeah for sure i have this play that i'm i'm really that's kind of right now my thing and then i have two shorts that i really want to do before the end of 2023 mm -hmm. would you so these shorts would you find the director you would want to perform in it how what would be your of the shorts like how would you want to be involved aside from writing or just writing them Oh, I would act in, in if not both, one of them for sure, mm -hmm. but as well. Um, but right now it's really kind of me playing the line producer in, you know, how much am I going to do the, the $30,000 version of this, or am I going to do the $5,000 version of this and writing both scripts and then really taking an honest look about, okay, which one. And if that means then I only do one short, then I want to do that one, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's really me trying to kind of be as objective and financially 
responsible as possible while also being as creatively uh, yeah. true to my vision as possible, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I'm sure you know this already, but there are a lot of shorts that end up becoming feature films. And there, and and that's what I'm thinking about, you know, and 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 I, I don't want to give it away, but whatever, you know, one of the shorts is is uh, a vignette of the play because mm-hmm. ultimately it will be a movie. And so, you know, and also I think it would help me kind of sell the play a bit or, you mm-hmm. know, if it becomes a movie first. So it's really just kind of, um, I guess, how guerrilla filmmaking do I want to go? Yeah. So is do you have any like dream roles that you would love to perform? Oh, man, totally. I mean, you know, I always wanted to play Edgar Allan Poe. That's always been a dream of mine. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's a Richmond, Virginia, you know, fellow mm-hmm. as well. And um, didn't Christian you know, Bell just do a movie as Edgar Allan Poe? No, the guy from Harry Potter played Poe, but it was a fictitious Poe. It's not really based on his life. Which guy from Harry? There's so many of them. Uh, I cannot remember, remember, but he was one of the more niche ones. Not, not, okay. I, I could, I don't know. I'm not the biggest Harry Potter guy, but that's um, okay. It, it, it's not like Daniel or Rupert or Emma, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. So Edgar Allan, yeah. But yeah. I guess if, like you asked, you know, what kind of trajectories, you know, like you know, Shay Wiggum's one of my best friends, and you know, uh, there's an actor Paul Sparks and and Jason Isaacs and Rufus Sewell. The careers those guys have are, are always what I've wanted to do. Pearl, uh, they just announced the other day that Paul Sparks is coming back to Broadway in a in a play is called he? Ray House. I think it's a horror show, which I probably won't see because I don't like scary. Um, and it's him, Tatiana Maslany, and um, Laurie Metcalf. And it's going to wow. be at the Lyceum, directed by Joe Mantello. And it's oh, nice. it was a show in Chicago, and they're bringing it to um, New York. So, and I well, think you just Paul made Sparks my is, day. You're welcome. I think yeah. Paul Sparks is great. I saw him in At Home at a Zoo. Yeah. And he was just so, and because, you know, he usually like, especially on film, I always feel like he plays the same type of character. So when I saw him in At Home at a Zoo, it was so nice to see him play like such a different part. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I love Paul, Jason, Rufus, and they're, and, and I know what you mean about Paul, but like, you know, in Boardwalk, he really got to do a character yeah. and, and so, you know, what those guys do, they're always working, yeah. they get on the stage and that's, you know, that's what I'm trying to do is like be you yeah. know, always working in film and TV and, and get to the stage. Ideally yeah. for me once a year, you know, yeah. that that's important for me, you know. Well, it's like I mentioned to somebody in my last podcast, like there was a, I was watching something with uh, Stephen Pasquale and he says he does like TV and film to fund his theater habit. hundred percent. So can't, I can like a lot of actors. I'll, I'll tell you a story. I did do a job. Uh, <laughs> I can't, I don't want to say which, so anyone will figure it out. But, you know, I did a job with someone who just finished a Broadway run mm-hmm. and they told me they made more one day on this job than they did the entire Broadway run. Yeah. And so that's, it's tough now because unless you know you're Denzel Washington or Hugh Jackman, mm-hmm. it just doesn't pay like yeah. you know film and TV do. So yeah, he's a hundred percent right. Yeah. Do you have any top going theater experiences? Tons. Um, Aside Yer- from Spring Awakening, Yerma changed my life at Park Avenue Armory. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, I mean, just one of the most spellbounding 
uh, it just changed the conception of what I thought theater. I mean, the way the director did it was just to this day. It's like I wish my brain thought that way. I mean, it was they did it in this in this like fish tank, and it and and the audience was on both sides. Billy Piper in it, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. incredible. That production of Yerma. She's a great actor too. Yeah, uh, Robert Ike's production of Hamlet, which we both seen and um i've seen clips of it i haven't sat down to watch the whole thing yet edna walsh's with killian murphy grief is the thing with feathers Mm -hmm. i thought that was incredible um rufus sewell and rock and roll i really loved and um yeah those are the ones that really come to mind obviously you know i said but like the first time i experienced sleep no more i thought i had never seen theater done like that i thought that was really cool you know, so yeah. anything Punch Drunk does, you know, I, I try to support. And uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, I really like theater that fucks shit up. You know, I, I it's funny. True story. I saw Jake Gyllenhaal do Constellations mm-hmm. and it was incredible. And I was at this uh, place that I go to in the West Village and uh, I was with a friend and we were talking and we were waiting in the elevator and there was a tall guy in front of us. And then we got in the elevator and it was Jake Gyllenhaal. So it was me, my friend and Jake. And then, it, you know, like Jake kind of had that moment where obviously he knows that we know who it is. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I didn't want to like name a movie. Cause that was, so I was like, yeah. I told him, I was like, Hey man, I, I saw you in constellations and it was amazing. It changed my life. And I could tell he really appreciated that because he was like, no way. I'm actually doing one with Nick Payne again. You should come at the public. Mm-hmm. And it was called Seawall Life. And so I went and saw that workshop before it went to Broadway. And yeah. I never was- saw it when it was at the public, but I saw it on uh, Broadway. And for me, I actually prefer Jake Gyllenhaal on stage. as opposed- He's amazing. He's incredible on stage. Yeah. What a- I mean, stage. I mean, honestly, when I saw his Constellations British accent, mm-hmm. the best American British accent ever you know, yeah. like I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's a force to be reckoned with. He's a, yeah. he's, he's very good looking, very charming and a movie star, but he is very much an actor. Yeah. And I just, again, I just think he's so fantastic on, I kind again, I prefer him to, st- his films are great, but I think he's a better stage actor. Not I honestly think bad. he might even, you know, agree with that. Cause I, he loves being there. And, and, yeah. and the thing that I appreciate about Jake is, you know, I think the seawall life run was three months of the public, which for Jake and, and any agent at CAA, it's yeah. like a long time where they, their client. And when it went to Broadway, they signed up for like another seven months. So, I mean, Jake took himself off the, the market for a year, which, you know, for someone like him, that's, yeah. that's like a 30, $50 million a year. So I, he loves the theater and, and I yeah. respect so much his dedication yeah. to it. Yeah. I also have a lot of respect for Jessica Chastain too, as a performer. Um, Cause I just remember watching, I wasn't there for it live, but her inside the actor's studio and just like the amount of work and research that she does for like all of her characters. And she was talking about her character and help and the, the place sugar ditch, I think she's from her character. And she was saying that was like a predominantly like black neighborhood. And that brought so much, your character because did you see the help i did not know yeah so if you saw the help you would understand what i was talking about because you know it takes place in the south during segregation in the 60s so it's like a big divide between you know the black maids and the predominantly like 
white well-to-do women that they work for and the racism there. So I just thought that was really interesting. And, you know, she loves theater. She went to Juilliard and she's such like, I feel like she's like an acting nerd too. Yeah. 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 So I just like, I have a lot of respect for her too, as a performer. Yeah. I, I'm going to see a doll's house. So I'm excited yeah. to, to see. How I, that goes. I hope I get to see it. I hear it's very good. Speaking of acting and inside the actor studio stuff. Yeah. You ready for the Inside the Actors Studio questions? Let's do it. Okay, Ryan, what is your favorite word? Fuck, probably. Yeah. Great. Sorry, I'm basic bitch, I know. Uh, that's <laughs> fine. Ba- I'm basic bitch too. Yeah. Uh, what is your least favorite word? Can't. A-N-T or? Can't. Oh, can't. I thought you said ant. Wow. No. Uh, no, 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 no. Can't. I hate can't. that word. Got it. What turns you on? Passion. What turns you off? Ego. What is your favorite curse word? Cunt. What sound or noise do you love? Um, When my dogs, I pet them and... um and they get really comfortable. They make this breathing, just like cozy sound. And uh, I live for that. What sound or noise do you hate? Bubble gum or like um, uh, the the texting on the phone noise. Hate that. Oh God. Uh, What profession other than yours would you like to attempt? Writing. What would you, what profession would you not like to attempt? Politics. So I don't know how James Lipton phrased this for people who don't believe in God. So I'm just going to ask the question yeah. and then figure it out. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You fucking did it, bro. And as Mr. Lipton would say, here are your students. I like how my voice got <laughs> Inside the actor's studio. I will say that is like the quickest actor studio questionnaire I did because every time there's always like, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing because I find it interesting. People like, oh, I take like they take their time with the yeah. answer. They're like, I wish I knew what's my answer to this. And then they'll explain something. And that was like the quickest one. And again, I, I don't mind that they do that, but it's just, it was very interesting how quick it was. Oh, I hope I, I hope people like him. <laughs> Sorry yeah. if it Well yeah. no, when you said your favorite word was fuck, I'm like, well, there's his favorite curse word. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. So is there anything else you would like to add before we end this this fabulous podcast episode we've been doing? Tiffany, Do um I, I'd love to shout you out, you know, for the work that you're doing and 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 I hope, you know, yeah, you should be really proud of this journey you're embarking on and and you know, don't be too obsessed with who would it. I think I'm, what, I'm not what, that obsessed with it. What, what what you're doing is great, and you should be so proud of yourself. And so I'm I gonna pat myself on the back. I think let this thing surprise you where it takes you, and enjoy the journey, and and try yeah. not to to become jaded by the whole politics of who comes on and who doesn't, because it is so easy to let that mm-hmm. determine your mental health. And as someone who did that. Yeah. I think there, I think there are pockets of moments where it's like, ah, uh, yeah. Okay. 
but you know, and I always like my thing now is like the worst they can say is no, or like not respond to you or just, you know, no. And then you just move on. And it wasn't meant to be. And if it was meant to be, they would come on. And I've had many people on that. I've been like, I can't believe they said yes to doing this podcast. And yeah, there are people who are just like, absolutely, I'll do it. It's like, great, let's, yeah. let's meet and figure it out. So it's all yeah. good. And I hope whomever does come on, I hope you had a good time and you had fun. Great time. Good. Great I time. hope you're not just saying that. I'm just joking. No. Yeah. I'm, I do want to ask, though, I always ask my last question is this. Why do you think theater is important? I think theater is the most important tradition we have in 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 storytelling. And it is the most authentic thing since you know civilized i mean maybe not even civilized you know primal you know there's paintings on cave walls and i think it it is the most imperative of relaying information and engaging in what it means to be human and examining it and understanding it and giving a place for people to come together and gather and experience something together i think it is is the most sacred thing that we have and it needs to be protected and it needs to be protected both from, from capitalism and it needs to be protected from, from, uh, you know, PC, you know, being politically correct because I don't think life's not politically correct. You know, children get cancer all the time. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. I think it's important that people are able to tell their visions, whether you agree or not with them, you know, obviously like, Kanye West of the world is like never give that guy a theater but you know what I mean I I think yeah I think theater has the ability to be more powerful than film because it doesn't happen as often as it does in film but when it does when theater works it's alive and it's a moment that'll that it'll never happen again but for that moment those two hours that you're alive together in the room and when you experience one of those shows that's so good it, it's kinetic man it, it hits you in the body and it just it, it recharges your soul and there's something primal that comes to life you know and it and i really hope that everyone you know you take risks because obviously i by taking risks i mean you know seeing stuff that's not good because that happens to get to the good stuff and 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 be bold and don't always go with the slam dunk shows because sometimes those ones that are smaller, they're fighting harder than, you know, the people that are making the $20 million a week paycheck. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. You can stay after I stop recording. Um, Anything else you want to add? No, thank you so much. I'm on FBI. Uh, I don't know when this will air. So check that out. I got a a movie. Yeah. Yeah, An actor despairs. I got, Mm -hmm. I'm doing some episodes soon. So, uh, Thank you so much, and and yeah. this you is... were. I interrupted. You said a movie you have that you oh, did. Uh, yeah, a, mo- a movie. Uh, can't talk much about it, but there should be an announcement on it soon. That's great. Well, thank yeah. you so much for coming on, and thank you for those listening. I always love how I look at my mic like it's a person who's listening to my podcast. It's all good. So okay. much love, everyone listening. Keep going. You know, yes. don't stop. And keep listening to more episodes and an actor despairs, and you can also watch it on YouTube. Yes. Yes. Please do. That's where I prefer people watch. You don't want them to hear. You just want a visual. I think you miss out on so many different, mm. you know, visual cues that really indicate things. But, you know, I get it. If you're on the go, as long as you're tuning in. Maybe they watch it some other time. Anyway. All right. Thank you for coming on. Bye. Bye. Everyone.